You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Do you remember those halcyon days back in January when every ray of sunshine felt like a warm hug from a celestial being? Skiing, climbing, we yearned for its caress. But now that it's dead summer, the tables have turned. The sun now stalks us like an enormous toddler with a magnifying glass. The burning orb, the Death Star, call it what you will. Just don't be caught out at noon on some edgy crimp fest lest your feet swell and your tips shred. But Black Diamond has a way to fight back. My favorite piece of BD apparel, the Alpenglow hoodie. Built with UPF sun protection, pits for movement, a hood designed to go under your helmet, and even some sort of odor control next-gen tech to help with that sour fear stink we all work up on the NAR. Or is that just me? Is that a thing with everyone, the, the stinky pits after being scared? But frankly, if you aren't basically living in a sun hoodie during the summer months, you may in fact be an iguana. But at least now, your tongue can go from 0 to 60 in 1 one-hundredth of a second. Don't just feel the burn, bite the burn. And check out the Alpenglow hoodie and all the great gear at BlackDiamondEquipment.com or your favorite local shop that really, really wants your face-covered business right now. The truth is that climbers live their lives off the rocks in approach shoes. Part comfort, part performance, part signaling to that lady across from you on the bus that you and the crazy free solo guy are essentially cut from the same cloth. That's right, lady on your way to Target. Don't you know I'm loco? That's why Sportiva has invented the most versatile approach shoe yet, the TX Guide. Sprinkling in DNA from their acclaimed running shoes, brilliant climbing shoes, and the legendary TX line, the TX Guide for women and men can run to the climb, climb the climb, bash down the climb, all in time to climb into your stool on the patio of your local brew pub. So next time your grandmother asks you for the 10th time if you do that free solo stuff, just point to your TX Guides from Sportiva, press your sanitized fingers to her lips, and whisper, Shh, Nana, the mountains are calling and I must go precipitating a hasty exit and one less little white lie to your granny. So if you want to walk both streets and trails like a golden climbing deity, check out all of Sportiva's approach shoes at sportiva.com or your favorite local shop. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing it at? Are you playing here? We're doing the uh, Enormo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big house. place. That's out. Out. That's Very a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll say, we really should. What the hell are you doing? couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a frayed end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Good weather. Bad weather. Now or later, anytime. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment, with support from Maxim Ropes. And the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enormacast. This is your host, Chris Calouse. It is July 31st, 2020, still 2020. 
about four o'clock in the afternoon, and this is episode 202 of the Enormacast, a conversation with Celine Haga. You guys heard of Celine Haga? Yeah, I bet you climbers haven't. But if you've popped over from the MMA world, the world where people get into a ring and pulverize one another, then, then you, you might have heard of Celine. Yeah, Celine is a climber from Albuquerque, currently, uh, Norway originally, although I think she started climbing here in the U.S. Nevertheless, she's also a 12-year veteran MMA fighter. And for you neophytes, MMA is mixed martial arts. You know, the cage fighting thing. Cornrows, sweat, blood, you know what I'm talking about? So yeah, I was pretty excited to talk to Celine when the opportunity arose. Someone suggested it and she also got in touch and uh, turned out to be a pretty fun conversation. I spend most of it just flabbergasted, to be honest, that someone would be attracted to that lifestyle. Uh, the, you know, We find some parallels with climbing, but there's also a lot of things that are quite different about the world of MMA fighting. And so fun conversation with Celine, very tough, very intense woman both towards her climbing and her fighting. And that's what we get into today. So a little off-piste interview for the Enormo cast. And some of you may have noticed that I missed, I missed one right after episode 200. Just, uh, I just disappeared one down the hole. I needed a little bit of a break and not really a break from the Enormo cast, but kind of a break from the internet, actually and social media, and I don't know, things things were just kind of like getting a little haywire out there for me. So I'm back. We're back to squeaking in the two-a-month schedule. Probably I'll try to make up that, that missing episode, as it were, uh, sometime in the year. So we're back going strong. So I hope you guys have stuck around. I hope you enjoyed uh, 200 with Timmy O'Neill, and I hope you enjoyed the listener mail episode. Where the hell are your listener mail gifts? Well, you know how it goes over here. They'll show up. If you send a listener mail and you've moved, <laughs> maybe you should send a new address. One person's actually done that already. All right, you'll get something, I swear. I swear. Maybe I'll just I'll just come and serenade you say anything style outside of your window. There's an old reference for you. Boombox over the shoulders. Okay, let's get to uh, let's get to this episode with Celine Haga. And since I already did the big reveal that she's not just a climber but a fighter, let's just get right to it. I hope you enjoy this one from Celine. She has a little bit different view of our sport coming into it from uh, a different world. interview like this we do a lot of getting to know you which mm-hmm. hopefully you're okay with yeah um yeah so because nobody will really know who you are at least from the um climbing world mm. and if the if the 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 mma people come over to listen to this they're gonna think i'm an idiot because i'm gonna <laughs> ask you like really stupid basic you know you have no idea how many mma fighters i've gotten to sign up at the climbing gym oh it really was like, oh I had like a new person coming with me every day for like, I don't know how many months. And like probably 80% of the people I brought stayed. Like you okay. would be, you would be surprised like how scared fighters are from, for heights. Like they're not scared going into the cage fighting like a 200 pound guy that's like trained eight weeks to beat the shit out of you. But uh-huh. 
climb 20 feet up the wall, terrifying. So what's your pitch? Oh, so climbing, it's like I'm, uh, I'm a natural grappler wrestler and okay. I have a good grip strength and I always had a good grip strength. And when I start to climb, my grip 100% better, basically because I sucked at climbing and I did not, I, I knew nothing about like how to use my feet. I basically was climbing using only my arms. And when I got to the top of the wall, I was scared, trusting the rope, and I was holding on. And I was holding on 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, as long as my forearms could hold on. I had so much inflammation in my forearms the first weeks I climbed. You have no idea. I couldn't even, like, put on my clothes. (laughs) And I came to uh, training, and people were like, shit, Celine's strong now, like, like your grit strength. And I was like, yeah, climbing, you know? And right. they were like, okay, I want to try. I want to try. So I started to bring some of my friends. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> honestly, I think I brought some of the fighters because like, okay, I have this reputation that I like to see other people suffering. Right. But it's like in a good way, right? Sure, sure. And seeing like some of these tough guys that I've seen, Climbing halfway up a 5.8 on the Audible A, freezing up, tearing up, refusing to climb up, down. And I'm like, there's 500 <laughs> holds there. It's like climbing up a ladder. Right. And I was like, or you can just let go and come down. And they were like, no, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Like threatening. And right. it was the time of my life. I was like, to see like something so simple, but not simple, right. get into somebody who are I always looked at like as mentally tough you know and it was fascinating and yeah, that, i think yeah yeah uh, and that, and i was the same right like i think that's why i like climbing the first time i went to the gym because i was like, like oh i'm tough you know i'm nothing scares me and suddenly i had this like challenge in front of me and i was scared like right. it was the first time in years that i actually been like scared in a safe environment and you, and that's probably like what kept kept bringing you back, though. Because I'm like, I love adrenaline, right. and like fighting. When I first started to fight, that was what kept me going. Like the uh-huh. first time I ever fought, the feeling I had after a fight, it was like the highest high, right? And I was like, oh my god, the rush, the fear, the everything. Like I'll do anything to feel this again. I think it was the first time I actually finished my first 510 because I was so obsessed, like getting to the top. It was like a simple goal, but I just want to, I want to prove to myself that like mentally, physically, I could do it. Mm-hmm. It felt, I was like, I felt accomplished in, in a way I hadn't felt other places in fighting. And so you were, uh, you were fighting before you ever climbed? Yeah. Uh, I've been fighting now for 12 years. Oh. Mm. <laughs> And like, I always heard about climbing. I like, like, I never really paid attention to it. Mm-hmm. And then one day my friend, he wanted to go and watch a movie. And honestly, I hate going to the movie theaters. I'm too restless. I can't pay attention to anything. And I was like, hmm, which movie lasts the shortest? And then, <laughs> and then um i was like wow this is a movie about this guy he's like alex he's like soloing stuff what is soloing oh he's climbing up these mountains without a rope and i was like oh let's go watch that one honestly i cannot stop thinking about it after seeing that like i walked away from the theater i was sweating i i could not understand it and 
the first thing I did, I put like a story on my Instagram. I was like, somebody out there, can somebody please take me climbing? And there were somebody like from the yoga studio I went to who said like, okay, I'll take you. And I went there with him, climbed up a 5'8", and I was like, my arms were toast. Right. 1.58. I don't know. I can't explain it. It was like the same time the first time I did jiu-jitsu. Sometimes you just know, right? You do mm-hmm. something and you just get a feeling like this is something I want. To, this is something I want to learn more about, get good at. And I kind of always been the person who's like, okay, I don't see the point of doing something unless I live up to my own potential in that thing. Right. I don't see the point of like why well, just do like a little bit and then be fine with it. I'm like, no, I want to go all the way. And I start look up all these videos, and I was like. Climbing is more than just indoor climbing. It's like, it's so much things. Like this, like mountaineering guys who are doing all these crazy things, the approach to getting to climbs and ice climbing, all the things you have to know about like rappelling knots. I was like, holy shit, this is like, it's probably how people look at fighting, right? They just see two people go into the cage and it's like, oh, they're just like punch each other and, you know, grapple each <laughs> other, but they don't understand. Sure, sure everything it takes it's like no we actually train hours a day just this move or just standing in the clinch just punching just kicking just kneeing each other i don't know i was just fascinated well if you watched if the first thing you saw was alex free soloing you probably thought it was like oh you get a pair of shoes and some chalk a chalk bag and then just go climbing wherever you want anytime you want yeah the whole ropes and knots thing maybe eluded you a little bit. Oh, I had no idea. <laughs> no idea how but, many knots for this and this. And I'm yeah. like, and it's like one of those things, the more you learn about it, the more like, you're like, oh my God, this never ends. Yeah, the, a little bit. Yeah. So, so um, you're one of these people like we've been wondering about as climbers uh, with, with uh, the free solo movie. The big sort of concern is that you know, the whole world's going to want to start climbing after seeing that film. So here we are, someone who was literally inspired to go climbing by the Free Solo movie. So we have a, evidence that it does happen right here. But I probably risked my life more than anybody since that movie, too. Yeah. Honestly, I'm surprised that I'm even here today because... <laughs> because of the way you got week, into climbing? Yeah. Oh, my God. And still, I have this thing. So, yes, I know it's a lot of things you need to know about climbing. And I still prefer climbing without the rope. Which is not a good thing, right? Because everybody I go with, they're like, no, Celine, we need a rope. And I was like, no, it's just a five, six, five, seven. But it's like, yeah, but it's pretty high up there, you know? Uh, right. Uh, me and my boyfriend, we did the climb. It was like a thousand feet, but just five, six, right? And it went fine. And like, I climbed pretty fast then and it was fun. And then since then, I'm like, every time there's a rope, I can't get le- restless. I'm like, oh, it's all these waiting things. And then you have to climb where I have to climb and I have to wait and do this. And I was like, no rope, less to carry. Just like, you know, and we went on this climb last week. <laughs> I was like, and honestly, that was like the, the scariest day of my life. So we were climbing this thing and it was like five, six. And I was like, I'll go first. I'll lead it. We were going to do rope, but I did not place any gear because i was like we're fine you know this is easy climbing and honestly it's like like we don't have that much i'm like let's, let me just keep going and then i got off route and suddenly i was like holy shit there's nothing here and i was like stuck in something that looked like a chimney right and i was like yelling down i was like oh my god there's nothing to hold on to 
and they're so far down. And my boyfriend was down there and he's like, yep, you did not place in the gear. You can't down climb. I can come up and help you. And <laughs> I was standing there and I think I cried like five minutes, maybe 10. I don't know. I lost the concept of time, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what happened, but I did make the through that move. But it did change my mind a little bit. Okay, about, okay good. Long, longer hoping- climbs. I'm hoping you learned your lesson because I'm going to have to castigate you a bit about this attitude. Uh, yeah, you got to play no, some No, trust gear. me, trust you, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I learned my lesson. You know what happened? when we came, we, I had the biggest adrenaline dump ever. <laughs> I cried so much that day. Right. I rappelled down and I cried. The approach out from that climb, I cried for 40 minutes. And I was like, never again, never again. I was like, I'm stupid. Never again. Okay. Like, Till next week, right? Uh, I'm saying, like, okay. I have a reminder now. Yep. I was like, yeah, because- I can't do this again because this is not the first time. Right. This, and but this was the worst time because my boyfriend was like, "Yeah, that was probably like a five ten move," and it was, like you could have done it, but you were just scared and you panicked. And I was yeah. like, I was like, never again. Like you don't know until you know. And well, like, well, ha- yeah. yeah. L- listen, the, every free soloer in the world that do it a lot, they'll tell you that. The adrenaline is not good. That's when you're, if you're adrenalized free soloing, then some, and honestly, like, I think, you know, I, I, I know Brad Gobright had a quote like this, and, and Alex probably does too, that if, if there is adrenaline involved, then something's gone wrong and you, and you really shouldn't be up there. So, uh-huh. yeah, just keep that in mind. If you're getting scared, then that's like a good indicator that you shouldn't be. Oh, I knew, I, I knew. I was like, what have I done? This was like, I always been that person learning by doing, right? So, yeah. yeah. But all right, you're, I'm glad you made it because we've been talking about this for a few weeks doing this, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so you made it through that one. You're here to do the Enorma Cast. Um, I appreciate that part of it. Um, let, we'll get back to climbing in a minute. Um, I want to go back. Uh, you said, oh, how long ago did you did you first walk into that climbing gym? Just out of curiosity. Uh, one and a half year ago now. Okay, so not too long. Mm-hmm. Um, versus the 12 years uh, fighting. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of times on the Enormacast, we talk about, well, how did you get into climbing? You know, that's a that's a big question um, that can be interesting. And uh, as, as part of the arc, we just got that about climbing. So let's go back 12 years ago uh, to the fighting thing. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think this is a really fervent ground to talk on the Enormacast because I think my audience is not super... Uh, probably not really that versed in, in that world. I'm not. And mm. when we started getting in touch, you know, this was someone else actually suggested that I talk to you as well. Uh, this was sort of what really piqued my interest because I'm not a fighter. Um, I was trying to think of the last fight I was in was probably, well, the one that I actually sort of participated in was probably in the sixth grade with cr- Chris Morvetz. Chris, if you're listening. <laughs> Sorry, we were. It was a classic thing where it was wasn't even really up to us. Like everybody was like, "You have to fight him. He wants to fight you." And then we had to do like the bus stop sort of fight. And then uh, when I was in eighth grade, I remember Nick Penzi hit me in the face, like sucker punched me in the face. So that wasn't really a fight I was in. Uh, but that was the last time I got punched in my face, and it was. Did really you win like, the first one? Uh, I did actually. Chris Ooh. Morbitz back down. So, so one one zero undefeated. Yeah, yeah. Well, sort of, <laughs> unless you count the second one. You know, that's sort of a, I don't know where that fits into my record, but um, I was i was actually being a dick to him. So I deserve, <laughs> he did sucker punch me, but I deserved it. So I think that counts as a loss. Uh, <laughs> but, but anyway, 
Nick Penzi, we met, we patched it up and we actually became friends. But after I got hit in the face that one time or that last time, I I avoided it as much as I possibly could. Getting hit in the face is not awesome. So, how does someone and uh, you know tell us where you were, uh, who you were, what you were like that you uh, ended up walking into some gym or something, whatever happened to uh, to decide that this was something that you would dedicate hell twelve years now to. So actually, I failed all my PE classes. I was never athletic ever. And when I was, I actually started fighting late. I wanted to, for some reason, I was just like, I had no idea what to do with my life. So I wanted to go to the army in Norway. So I'm from Norway, right? And um, Oh, and wait, wait, you're from Norway. Mm. And for people, because they won't be able to see this because it's a podcast, you're like a like six foot two, like kind of Viking blonde like definitely like viking <laughs> stock right is that right because that's you know when we first started talking i was like oh she's from norway so she's uh, this mma fighter with like giant fists and um is that uh, you know describe yourself physically i'm five four and i weigh like 117 <laughs> and very asian I, so i was adopted and i was like six okay, weeks cool. old all right cool <laughs> It's funny though. Like actually when I tell people I'm from Norway, yeah. I get these questions like, "Oh, I didn't know that Norway was in Asia." Yeah, and I was well. Like, I was like, "Yeah, yeah." Aside sure. from that, if you get an email and you're just like, "Oh, she's an MMA fighter from Norway. She's, you know, definitely descended from a lake or a uh, The Viking." Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> anyhow, so yeah, back to being in Norway and, and thinking about fighting. Okay, so I failed all my PE classes, wanted to go to the army because I had like, uh, you know, teenage crisis where I didn't want to go to school or do anything. And what happened was I failed all my physical tests. The Norwegian army actually said I had the worst result ever. I could not do a push-up, a sit-up. They were like, your health is terrible. So they recommended <laughs> me to go to start like training with the personal trainer, right? So I did that for a while and I'm super intense. So the first thing I did, I was like, I took a few classes with the personal trainer and I was like, uh-uh, I don't want to do this. So I became a personal trainer myself and started to study like lifting and did actually powerlifting. And I became super strong in one year. So I competed in Norway and I competed pretty high too, but it got boring. Lifting stuff up and down is not fun. It's like, it's maybe fun for a little bit, but now I was like, hmm, this does not do much. And... I met this guy one time, like, I think we went like a birthday party or something. And he was talking about fighting and about MMA. And I was like, huh, MMA? I never heard of this, you know? And he was going to show me like, like a shoulder lock. And this guy, he looked like he was like hundred pound, like super nerdy guy. And I was like, okay, you know, here I am, the power lifter, you know, come on, try this on me. And he did something weird with my arm. And I was like, holy shit. Like, he just used everything against me. And I was just so, like, fascinated by it. And for some reason, like, the first thing I did when I got home, I Googled this MMA, Jiu-Jitsu. And there were so many cool videos. I was like, oh, my God, I want to learn this. I ended up just buying a couple of private lessons. And I fell in love the first time. I was like, holy shit, this is what I want to do. I want to get good at this, really good. And it's kind of like... Okay, a little bit back to climbing. It's like, if you do one thing, it's like, hmm, I wonder how far I can take it. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, G MMA is more than jiu-jitsu. It's like striking, it's like kicks, punches, 
takedowns. I was like, I want to learn all of it. I want to, this is like a big puzzle and I want to get good at it. And honestly, I was super scared. Like I always been scared of fighting. So for me, this was like, uh, okay, this is probably the toughest men challenge mentally, physically, everything. And I was like, I want to get good at this. And I want to be a professional. I want to fight. And people were laughing at me, you know, it's like, everybody says that. I just start to train like nonstop. I train every day, morning, night. People told me I was going to get burned out and quit like in a month or two. And it just never stopped. <laughs> About how old were you? Uh, I was like, when I started this, I was 21, 20, okay. 22. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and you know, you, you've got friends and family uh, <clears throat> watching you sort of descend into this world of where you're going to eventually, maybe at the start, it, people were skeptical, but eventually your desire is to get into a ring with another person. Oh, they were try so to beat each skeptical. Other. Yeah. So... Like what, how did they feel about their, their, their little girl gonna, you know, Oh my go God, and fight? my mom, she was yeah. like, what are you doing? And <laughs> she was already a little bit upset with me because my, my hobby before this was playing poker. I, and there's two things in Norway that's illegal. It's gambling and MMA. <laughs> My MMA really? is still not legalized. Yeah. Really? And I was doing all these like online poker tournaments and I loved it. Like I didn't see daylight, right? That's why, probably why I was so out of shape too. And I did all this research about MMA. You know, I couldn't find women to train with back in Norway because it was still illegal. And I was like, the Japanese women, they're pretty good. So I was like, okay, all or nothing. I'm done with poker. I closed my accounts, took some of those money and I went to Japan to train. And I got offered a fight there and I had trained less than a year. I hadn't, right. I did not know the different, like on a jab or cross. I knew a little bit of grappling, but that's it. And I was like, I'll take it, you know? And of course I lost. I thought this girl was a black belt, had like 10 fights. And I was like, but for some reason, like, I liked it. I, like, okay. I know it sounds weird. Like I lost my fight, but I was like, I won't get better. I know I can do better. And oh, I am well, a hold on. Let's, let's paint that picture. Um, again, so you're, you're in Japan, you're training, you know, you get offered a fight, which is, you know, I don't know how big of a crowd, but it's in front of a crowd and you're going to go in and, and fight this woman, your first fight. Like, were you terrified? Were you excited? Like to try to describe to me, because again, I think anybody who watches this sport, even casually is thinking like what what how would i feel how could you know what would i happen to me if i tried to approach this uh this world like that because i know what would happen to me i i would run away from the <laughs> door you know i don't know they put you in the cage you know it's like i would not go in the cage like i'd find a reason to leave but uh so tell me a little bit about approaching that first fight so i was there training and little like so Jap japan are known for like uh they want Japanese people to fight people from other countries to lose, right? They're, yeah, they're kind of known for that. And not always, always like fair matchups, but I didn't know anything about that back then. So they were like, do you want to fight? And the truth is like in the beginning, you just don't know. Like you're just too stupid to understand like consequences. <laughs> if I had known what I know today, I would be like, uh -uh, I'm not taking that fight, you know? But back then I was like, why not? It's an opportunity, you know, like 
fighting in Japan and like that was like a big promotion. I was like, why not? You know, exciting and everything is possible. You know, I had trained with guys and the guys, they always gave me feedback that I was doing good and strong. But if a guy tell you that you're strong, that's different than fighting an angry woman <laughs> who train MMA, who just want to beat you, you know, that's like right. different type of strength. So I fought her and it went to decision. I lost, but I was like, it was weird. I, I still wanted to do it again. I just so so if it went to decision, that means that you didn't just totally get your butt kicked. No, it so, was yeah. I, I had so like, that's good. I mean, that's I had like, like some, a, for right? some reason yeah. I had some instincts in me. You know, right. I, I I didn't have that give up. Like I always been yeah. like super stubborn and mm -hmm. have a little bit OCD and like you know, like I'm like okay, I'm gonna go. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So it went to the decision, but I was. I was pretty beaten up too. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I, I still remember it was like, I think I had like a broken rib and like my nose was pretty like messed up and stuff like that. But, That's unreal. You had a broken rib and you're just like, I want to do this again. You know, I, I know. can't cough or laugh right now for the next like three months, but man, it'd be super fun to try that again. I know. It was, I was like, it's worth it. It's like, I don't know. Again, like this is all this perspective. It's sort of like I was talking about with, with you and Free Solo, you're, you're coming in to watch Free Solo with no knowledge whatsoever about climbing. And, and you know, if I happen across uh, one of these fights on television, I'm the same way. I'm just like, I have no idea what is happening here. I have no idea who these people are, how they got to this, what, you know. So it's the same sort of thing. And, and, and that's kind of why I'm trying to, like, delve into it so deeply. But um, I think like most sports like this, there's a whole bunch of people that don't make a ton of money and don't get famous. Mm -mm. You know, yeah, it's, it's, you know, nothing so, like yeah, you, you yeah, can, yeah. if but you want to do doing this it, for you're cash, still drawn to yep. it. Yeah, yeah. It's, so, it's like, okay, most fighters, they don't earn anything. Okay, so this is the crazy part about my story compared to a lot of other fighters. I lost my fight. And I actually lost 11 out of my 12 first fight within three years. <laughs> so when you're asking me about what did your parents think? What did your friends think? You know what I said? They were like, You kind of suck at this, Celine. Yeah, they were like, <laughs> you know, you're good at a lot of things in life. And maybe this is not for you, you know? And I just like, no, I'm so hard-headed. And when I decided, I was like, I'm just going to keep on. Like, imagine that, losing every single fight to do, like, for three years yeah like, that's amazing if you, if you look at people who lose three fights in a row they're done they're like okay mentally broken like either they're mentally broken like i'm done with this or they're just like okay i'm gonna find something else to do i was like nope i'm gonna keep on going and it was like i kind of had like that gambling mentality if i lost to a person i was like i want to fight somebody better just to prove you know and it's kind of weird in fighting a lot of people do build up their records. You know, you can pick easy fights. But I, I always had that thing that I'd rather fight somebody who are good and do a good fight, lose, and like show that I could hang, you know, which was not the greatest thing for my record back then. But I don't know, like I still kind of have that. Like I never take easy fights still. Right. But so I did have a hard start. Uh, thank God it did change after those three years, which was probably the toughest three years of my life you know imagine like you have a dream a passion and you dedicate every second of your day to this and you fail again 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 and everybody around you is like uh-uh like 
this is not for you. So I knew that I have to believe in myself because nobody else does. So let me ask you this then, not not just the three years, but maybe you can expand it to the 12 years. Is mm. how, how do you get through that in one piece? And, I, and, you know, obviously you take damage when you're fighting, but how, how is it that you don't end up, you know, some sort of debilitating injury that ends your career? Like, because 12 years, you know, if you're fighting even semi-regularly, seems mm. like a long time to me to be it in a sport a like time. that without something happening where you're done. I mean, even if it's just a sports injury, like any anyone would get in any sport, uh, whether ligaments or knees or any of those things, like, you know, you can wreck yourself climbing and no one's beating you. <laughs> like, mm. you know what I mean? So how is it that you've, how did you get through and like maybe talk about a little bit of the damage you did take in three, the first three years of losing? But I mean, win or lose, you don't leave those rings just like, you know, you just went to the powder room or something. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So tell, tell us a little bit about the sort of sustainable of someone being in the sport for 12 years or this so sustainability. I, I, think, I think it's very individual. Like, um, so I'm a naturally grappler. I'm a boring fighter. I like to take people down and grapple, which is a more safe way than if you're a striker and you're just like, okay, let's just like you punch, I punch and like, you know, right. so I never okay. been in like heavy brawls and Actually, one of the reasons I never did quit, because like under my record, it was like a loss, a loss, but a lot of my fights were like split decision. It was like, I was winning one round, losing, you know, so it was like so close. And then I got a new chance, but then they gave me a harder opponent, right? So actually what happened, um, I didn't take that much damage uh, in my losses. Uh, My The biggest damage I took was when I start to win. Uh, I actually won my next nine fights or whatever after that. And I was fighting the Japanese champion and I beat her. And then they were like, okay, we want you to fight this other girl now. And I was like, okay, I'll take whatever you guys have. And she actually had something illegal in her glove. Uh, And she punched me and she broke my orbital. But I was like, no quit in me, right? So this happened the first punch in the fight. And I could feel something like oh, crack man. inside my head. Like it was like I saw five of her. It felt like somebody was hitting me in the head with a hammer and like the ground was moving. And I was like, oh, my God, I still have like two more rounds of this. But I know I can win this, you know. And I kept on fighting. I actually lost that fight on split decision. But I had to go to the hospital after and since I kept on fighting like the orbital just got smashed oh, so they had to remove geez. some bones and they had to we should have had a trigger m- warning on this episode like <laughs> people right now are, take- people right now are like clutching their faces like oh my god uh, it sucked you know what happened like my eye fell into my head it was oh, like yeah yeah it, and you know like when you see two people I saw five and I had no idea which was the real one. So in the fight, I was like punching like, and it was like far from her head because I was like, I wonder which one is her, right? And I actually took some of my hip bone and put it in my face because I had to push out my eye. I know it's terrible. This is amazing. And uh, It's like Rocky. They were like, <laughs> we got to stop the fight. You're like, no, don't stop the fight. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I can't quit now. Is that can't too old of a trying. reference, Rocky? The first uh, one? Come on. Is- oh, I love Rocky. Okay, cool. <laughs> 
So, yeah, that's probably like the biggest injury I have ever had. And I had like double vision for like three years after. Mm-hmm. Like, but other than that, like most pain is just like, it's not really painful. Okay. Like, you don't really, like, you get so used to it. Like, like, I, I don't know. Like, right. it's more, it's more like emotional painful to lose a fight, I think, than like physically. So. Well, let me ask you a couple of questions about, uh, you know, I, we talk a lot about on the, sh- on the show, uh, you know, a climbing community and you, and you've, you've got a foot in both worlds now and, and you've tried to make this crossover, but maybe mm-hmm. not, not that effectively between your, your MMA friends and your climbing friends. But, um, the, the, I mean, I'm just curious about like what this world sort of feels like to be in and, you know, like what you just said about the illegal stuff in this woman's glove, you know, it, it just conjured this image of like some back alley, like fight or something like, you know, you guys are like, there's a bunch of people like, you know, with, with dollars in their fingers and all that stuff like, hey, you know, like, yelling. and, and, uh, but you know, so what, what's this world like? You've, you've got this, like, I mean, I just imagine, like you just said, you've got to go into this ring with this, you know, I don't know if you want to call it hatred, but you have to go in there with the, with like, and find this deep desire to, you know, to beat the crap out of somebody and win and, and, and make them submit, you know, which is such a different world than, than rock climbing, I think. But, um, I mean, is it a, so a tight knit community, like, a supportive a, community? What, what's it very, like? Like, I think fighters are the most humble, nice people you're ever going to meet, you know, like you would, like most people <laughs> you talk to, they're not like, okay, let's go, like, you know, like let's show off muscles and be like, you know, crazy. Uh, most of them are pretty boring, you know, like they just train all day, take naps during the day. Like <laughs> they like don't go pet out kittens. and drink. They just sit and yeah. nap and pet Oh my God. And, yeah, when yeah. I look at like my Instagram stories of fighters, it's a lot of like memes, cats and dogs mm. and stuff, you know, it's like nothing exciting. They're too okay. tired to do other stuff. And I think like most people in the community, like they get humbled every day. You know, we know like we're nothing special. Like we all, Every day is a new day. Mm-hmm. Um, and is this something that you uh, it provides a living now, or is mm-mm. it still just? This, I never. Oh right. my! Like, I've been living at the gym for a while. I, I lived in Japan. I lived at the gym. I've been living at my friend's house, like in Japan type right. of house, which is like the smallest apartment ever, where you sleep on the floor, and. Like during the day, it's a kitchen. During the night, it's a bedroom. You right, know? right, um, right. And I've been just making like I live the weirdest places ever. And honestly, at certain time in life, maybe for five, six years, everything I owned could fit in a suitcase, and I was perfectly fine. I was never been as happy. Like I lived off like ramen noodles as a grown-up people, a person, you know, and like, and I didn't care because like. I just wanted to train. That made me happy. Right, right. So there is like a dirtbag world yeah. within this this world. Oh, I heard that from so many climbers right, I talked right. to. They were like, they like you're the like the dirtbag version, like in MMA. And I was like, yeah, I know, I know. Like, I, I like, I still don't, I still don't have a driver license. I'm like, I still ride my bike everywhere, mm-hmm. and I just, it's weird, but it's like the small things that make me happy. In Albuquerque in the summer. You're yeah, 110 degrees. Yeah, yeah, that sounds With, awesome. And sometimes thunderstorm, always fun. <laughs> I just imagine, though, I just kind of in my brain really quick extra- extrapolated the dirtbag thing. Like, uh, you know, like 
if you really were like a climbing dirtbag, you would drive around the country and, you know, mm -hmm. find fights to get in, like, you know, in yeah. the middle of Idaho or in the middle of like in the mountains of Montana. But instead of climbing, you'd be like out there looking for someone to like take on on a, on a, on a dirtbag level MMA fight. Not not fighting, but okay. I think kind of like I kind of, kind of like tra traveling around right. everywhere. I lived so many places just to train. You know, that's mm -hmm. why I moved to Albuquerque because I saw oh, this gym. Actually, that's why I came here because after I broke my orbital and all that stuff, um, I was actually I had a boyfriend back then. He was like, I can't deal with this anymore. I don't want to see you get hurt. You know, can we please settle down and just you know get married, have kids, whatever? And I was like, I'm not done. Like I have this. It's not fair. You know, I can't give up my dream, my mm. passion. Like, it won't be fair to you because if I do, you're going to be with somebody who, who's not really me, you know? Um, and I, can't, I, I just can't let go of this. So I moved to Albuquerque and I just, oh my God. You know, so Albuquerque, it's kind of ghetto, right? And I lived in like in the war zone, <laughs> you know, when they call a part of like an already bad city like the war zone you know it's cheap and it's like i shared it with this other guy it was 500 bucks two-bedroom apartment woke up like from gunshots in the morning first thing i saw when i walked out was like this guy who tried to sell me meth and you know like <laughs> it was it was like pretty, pretty weird from living in norway which is like one of the richest countries in the world to suddenly being in Albuquerque. Yeah, and, and pretty clean, right? Isn't it just generally like they clean oh up after God. themselves in Norway? Oh, Norway is like the opposite of <laughs> right, Albuquerque. Right, right, totally yeah. opposite. Well, now you're stuck yeah. here, so congratulations. Oh, I, I like it here now. Like, <laughs> No, I mean, you're literally stuck here. Like, you can't I, leave I know, now. I know, I can't, even if I want. <laughs> and maybe there's a, re like, I, I don't know if, if they will let me come back since yeah. I am a citizen, but I right. don't know. Yeah, I mean, sure, they, they probably would, but you'd have to, like, you'd definitely have to go underground quarantine for a while, but... Oh, I, I, I can't do that. Yeah. Any, I'm yeah, too you, restless. Yeah, totally. That, I was just about to say that. Like, that would be so hellish for you, like, a 14 Oh, my God. Quarantine. This this COVID-19, when the gym closed in, was it March? I was stupid. I read that David Goggins book, you know, about that crazy guy. And I start to run and I've been running 200 miles a month now. I can't stop running. Today I ran like 12 miles just out of, out of just like boredom. Every day now I'm like, I want to run more miles, more miles. Now I, I think I have like plantar fasciitis or whatever. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah just, just put it on the list, right? Yeah. Of, of and actually that happened when I started to climb too. My fingers got all deformed. They're never going to look the same again, I think. The first month I climbed five tenths and then suddenly I could climb five elevenths. And I got obsessed with it, you know? And it's a big step, five ten to five eleven, because mm -hmm. the holds are so, it's like the crimps, right? And my finger were not used to it. But then I was like, okay, every day. And I was like, there, hours after hours. And my fingers just, they got crooked. My friends, they were like, oh my gosh, Celine, you got arthritis or something? I was like, oh, <laughs> is that what it is? And I couldn't like open my hand. Like, so I had to take a little break from it. And right. then they felt good again, but they're still like, they look kind of weird. Yeah, well. Is that a thing? Uh, for some people, I mean, mine look fine, right? Look at them. Yeah, totally normal. No, actually, yeah. I, I'm actually kind of like happy with. They don't look that bad now, but you see, it's like on yeah, the yeah. top. Yeah, yeah, they're like all. Yeah, they're all weird. Bumped out. Yes, I, I've seen climber hands that look like the worst things ever. But I, I think, um, I think because I don't boulder and I have never really bouldered that hard, I think that maybe I've, I've sort of 
avoided a little bit of the crazy naughtiness of my fingers. Mm. Um, but I would always associate like screwing your fingers up with crack climbing, which uh, you probably haven't, being in Albuquerque, you haven't done a ton of like pure gnarly crack climbing then. Oh, I've done some. Like, yep. Honestly, I try to start like it, but it rips up my skin every time. Yep. Okay, so imagine this. This is what I've been doing last okay. year. I've been climbing a lot outdoors and I think outdoor climbing have given me more bruises than fighting, to be honest. So I always come to the gym, like skin ripped off, and then I suddenly going to roll with, gra- grapple with people. And like, oh, it's been just like my poor body, like right. hates me. Right, the- right, right. Yeah, because if you can't, yeah, you can't really start rubbing sweaty scabs off when, you, when you're grappling and stuff. Oh, it hurts. Trust yeah. me, it hurts. <laughs> and like... uh all the skin inside my hand fell off a couple of times. That was terrible too, like grabbing people and then like you didn't have a skin there and people were like disgusted by what my hand looked like. They were like, what have you done? Yeah, it sounds like you need a little technique, Celine. A little technique Maybe, sl- maybe slow down. Way. Maybe slow down a little bit. And, I was like, so intense too, you know. I know. So that's the thing, you know. Um, quality or quantity. Right, so I right, had right. this thing on the audible ace that I want to do 75 routes each time. And so I treated like the climbing gym as a cardio session, right? So I was like, I'm time myself, just like, just go up and down nonstop, you know? And that was rough on my hands. You've mentioned boyfriends and particular one that was like, please stop fighting. I can't handle this anymore. You know, a a lot of women throughout the years in climbing that I've known that are really good climbers have talked about how like, Sometimes if they are with a guy who is, you know, not as good as they are, it actually like sort of bugs them. Um, mm. The guy, I mean, it, it like it kind of gets under their skin ego wise because of the patriarchy or whatever. Is that something like that happens in in terms of your sort of personal life in terms of a guy sort of thinking like, oh, here's this woman that, you know, goes in and I mean, does this stuff that is so traditionally, quote unquote, manly and in terms and i you know like me for example would just like pee my pants and leave or whatever you know has that ever like run into that problem that seems to be like a little bit similar in climbing not really it's more like it's more like uh you're at the gym with all these fit guys all the time then you're like wrestling with them and you know like it's more like they feel uncomfortable like you know like if people don't know it looks right, weird you know right, because right, it's like right. two people like laying on top of each other sure. sweating and mm-hmm. like and it's like it's nothing pleasant about it at all ever <laughs> right but it sounds like you you your lifestyle probably has been a little bit in the way of like long-term romance yeah, as well that's super difficult for me because like i am a very selfish person right i think a lot of people who do professional sports, they have to be selfish in certain way. And like, I know I'm a difficult person. Like, I have a lot of OCD, you know? Like, I have to do this oh, and really? this. And like, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, way too much. Like, I can't even... Like, I, for me, like, I have to run three miles every day or mm-hmm. I can start my day. And like, if I go to the gym, you know, like, I always have to be on time. I have to do this. And like, I have to do these sprints on these type of days. And like beat this time if i don't beat that time i have to go back the next day and do it again uh it's a good thing and a bad thing right sure so so yeah like it's not easy at all but i'm trying right, right, right. <laughs> trying to grow. i'm like i'm always like trying to grow up but it's hard 
So let me ask you a little bit about your climbing then. We'll go back into that a little bit. Um, and, and again, like we've been sort of hinting at these, a few parallels, if you will, uh, between mm. the two two kind of worlds. But what is sort of your climbing dreams look like? And, you know, is there a point at which you may find out that they have to diverge? Because I don't know. I mean, I just keep thinking about sort of damage you're taking fighting might get in the way of climbing if you were if you have certain goals or or what your climbing you think looks like so for me now like i've been doing fighting for a while right and i'm getting older and uh, my plan was like okay i probably like i won't fight maybe two more years mm-hmm. not that much you know i'm getting too old for this and like i always gonna train jiu-jitsu because that's the love of my life kind of um uh, but I always been scared, right? I've been like thinking a lot about what am I going to do today? I'm not fighting anymore. And I've been trying to think like, okay, maybe I can do like long distance running because I run a lot. But I'm like, it doesn't do the same, right? Like it doesn't create adrenaline running like 20 miles. Mm-hmm. Something It gets boring. And when I first uh, discovered climbing, I was like, that was like, like I mentioned earlier, that was the first time I actually felt something similar that I had felt through fighting. And it was like something that I find very mentally challenging because I'm scared of heights and physically challenging. And it's it's going to always challenge me. And that's what I like. That's what I like about MMA. Every day it's like a new chance to push it a little bit further than what you thought was possible. Find some ways to accomplish something new. And I was like, hmm. Okay, like I felt safe in a way. I was like, okay, now I know what I want to do. And I'm I'm that person like when I know, I know. I want to get better. I want to spend as much time as I can um climbing, learning. Uh, I don't have a very big network, so YouTube <laughs> YouTube been helping me, you know? Right, like when right, I do right. my 3 mile run in the morning before inside, I was always watching like climbing videos. You know, like you can watch documentaries and stuff, but it doesn't give you the real picture always. It's like give you the nice picture about, oh, these guys do all these things. But there's actually a lot of things you need to know and learn before you can actually <laughs> do those things. Mm-hmm. So I just want to do badass stuff. Do you imagine yourself staying in sort of the performance end of climbing? Uh, you know, because I, you know, in, in terms of your acumen with training uh, and your ability to focus and... And you're, and you're actually in uh, a lot of your innate physical attributes, mm. you know, it really would lend, lend yourself to hard climbing, like performance, sport climbing, uh, maybe bouldering, those kind of things. Or do you imagine yourself in the big mountains and, and, and doing all that sort of like heavy lifting kind of climbing? So or a little bit actually, of both. like, I like, I tried a lot of stuff and what so far, what I do like, so the first time when I went there, 14,000 feet mountain, Long's Peak. Okay. I like that. The whole thing about the approach, like the hiking, you know, getting up early and then all the scrambling. And suddenly it was like some, some challenging climbing. Like, like I said, I'm scared of heights. So the exposure mm-hmm. and then coming to the top and like, okay, I made it to the top kind of, you know. My goal now is like, I want to do a lot of 14,000 feet mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I remember when I came to the climbing gym, like I was like very obsessed about 510. Okay, now I can do 511. I want to do more 511s, right? And then people were like, you should not be too obsessed about numbers, rating system. But honestly, I am. And like, 
I I want to get it's like exciting to me. The numbers are there for a reason, right? Like I am like chasing those numbers. So I want I just want to see how I can live up my own potential as a climber. Well, I'm curious how far I can take it. In in my opinion like the the numbers mean a lot to like 95% of climbers, but you're not supposed to say it. You're supposed to act like they don't. <laughs> <laughs> but they do. I mean, especially again, if you go into what I, I always sort of term performance climbing, which uh-huh. means that, you know, like I said, sport climbing or, you know, trying to be, you know, athletically the best that you can be. And, and, you know, it's like most people don't even, they go to a sport climbing area and it's like the 512 over there and the 12D over there. I mean, you hardly even use the names. You talk about the numbers. So, uh-huh. I, I have no problem with that in okay. terms of, and, and again, where, where you are with climbing, you know, it's, it becomes a bit of a, just a focus. And as you expand your horizons and you learn about other things and you test your body on other types of climbing, you can change your attitude at any time. But, but certainly it's a part of what draws people to climbing. I mean, I, even in the climbing gym, people don't just walk around and, you know, blindly climb the purple route or the red route they walk around looking for the grade uh-huh. that they're going to want to try you know so it's like to pretend as though it's not super important is sort of ridiculous but um but i i, I you know it's like i saw your sort of sheepishness with even admitting it because <laughs> you know what i mean because you're not supposed to you're not supposed to I admit know, it because yeah, yeah, people yeah. always told me yeah, because yeah. that was everything i talked about you know i was like the first time I did the 511, I was like, I want to do all of them now. Right, I, want, right, right. I need to do all of them. And, you know, it was like, and then like people was like, oh, you should go to this one. This is a 510. I was like, no, I don't do that. I don't spend my I don't spend my time and energy on doing that. I want to do the 511, you okay. know? So let me, <laughs> let me talk uh, about the community. All right. So you're in the climbing community. So just, just next time, Celine, just. Go do the 510. It won't take you very long. It'll make that person happy. It, you'll, you'll, you know, they'll think you're chill and like they can get along with you. And then I know. keep it in the back of your mind. And then you go and do whatever you want. You know, get on board or else you're going to end I'm, up. I'm not yeah. known. I I'm know. not known for having just trying to give like you social advice. IQ. My social IQ is like below average. Okay. So, trust me. Yeah. So you don't need a climbing coach. You need someone like me who's just going to. You know, right in the middle of that situation, you could just like freeze time and get a hold of me and just be like, okay, this guy just told me I should, or this woman just said I should, what should I do? I'll be like, go climb the 510. It's only going to take you like 45 (laughs) seconds. It'll make her happy. It's just funny because I totally heard you like, well, I'm not supposed to say this, but I like chasing grades. Um, I mean, sport climbing is chasing grades. So that's just the way it goes. Um, But, you know, back to this mountaineering thing. The 14ers, you know, with, with your kind of drive and your kind of interest, they're going to get boring to you as well. I can guarantee I know. it. Um, because because like most the of them, is, I mean, I don't most... like the hiking part. Yeah, okay. I think the hiking part is so boring. Right, right. Like the only reason I hike, if it's something more to do, I would never just go on like a random 10 mile hike. It's like, oh, it's the worst thing ever. And okay. I'm just getting moody. Well, yeah. the 14er thing, then you're going to have to re-examine that because they're most, they're <laughs> mostly just walks. Uh, I've, you know, I, I, people always ask me how many 14ers I've done. And I think it's two. Yeah. And one of them, I probably literally climbed 90 sometimes, maybe approaching a hundred times, maybe not. Um, and guess which one that was 
Long's Peak? Yeah, Long's Peak. Ooh. Well, I used to guide up there. So I, I climbed mm. it professionally, but also the diamond is on that. There's all mm. these other rock climbing routes. None of the other 14ers, at least in Colorado, not none of them, but most of them don't have much technical climbing on them. So I know. If you're I not mean, a skier and you're not a and you're a rock climber, then the 14ers is, aren't going to be that exciting. Not for that you. exciting. Yeah. Get get a few I, done. Don't don't let me talk you out of it. But as as a like, I want to grapple with this mountain mm. kind of climbing. You're going to have to go somewhere else for that. But because Mount Whitney though, Mount Whitney me. in California is is a big. Yeah, it's got a big rock climbing okay. kind of venue. So there you go. But well, let me ask you a few more questions. One thing I wanted to ask is we started by you talking about how you were recruiting your MMA uh, partners and, and training partners to go to the climbing gym. Have you ever been able to pitch the fighting to a climbing friend? No. Okay. No, never. <laughs> that was going to be, I was going to guess that no, was the I, I ask people if they want to try, because one thing I noticed, so I brought a bunch of my fighting friends to the climbing gym and Right. Everybody who have a grappling background, they do pretty good. You know, they sure. like understand movements, balance, you know, and my kickboxing friends. Oh, my God. They're terrible. Like they just they are more scared and just, yeah, don't do that good. Climbing friends. Nope. They don't even want to come and try in like one class. They've just been like, nah, that's not for me. I feel like the fighter's been way more open to go climbing, even outdoor climbing. I don't know. I feel like. The climbers, they're just uh, fighters. Uh, we have a pictures in the head how they are. And For like, sure. I don't want to be a part of that. No, we're lovers. We're lovers, not fighters <laughs> across the board. And actually, I would have been surprised if you'd have said, oh, yeah, I've gotten a bunch of people to try it. So it was a bit of a loaded question when no. I asked it. I mean, I, I think that's part of like what's what, what really you know made me excited to talk to you because we're just delving into this world that I just don't think climbers... But- Think about. I think climbers would do so good in jiu-jitsu, though. First of all, they most of them have crazy grip strength. Right. They have good understanding of body control, movement, balance. Actually, I do know a couple of grapplers who do climb, and mm-hmm. they are really mm-hmm. good. Yeah. I mean, the, the pitch is not, do you want to come and become an, a, a fighter? I think the pitch around jiu-jitsu, you know, that's, that's a thing that can be per- approached you know, much more from like an exercise basis, a mental training basis, mm. almost like a yoga type thing. Mm-hmm. Here is this other thing that you can do that that's going to make your body work better, but you don't have to get in a ring and like beat the crap out of somebody, you know, because I know I know actually plenty of climbers who do who do martial arts as, uh-huh. you know, as a pursuit and as a training thing. And then they'll have to do tournaments and things like that. But that's a whole different ball game than than like an MMA fight. You know, because more I common feel like arts. climbing and fighting, like both to me are scary things, right? It's yeah, like, for sure. It's a challenge, right? I, I still think it's more scary climbing than fighting. I know. I, I know do. you do, Celine. Way more scary. <laughs> like, I know you do, but everybody else who's listening is like, oh, no, 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 no. The 5.8 <laughs> is not a problem. <laughs> so the funny thing is like... Going uh, into the ring with the Japanese woman who wants to kill me, that's a problem. <laughs> but then you, you can... It's like... I don't know. It's like, so my coach, she always told me, like, we go running in the mountains. You always say, like, if the mountain can't break you, nobody can. Right. And I do believe that. And one thing I do find fascinating about when you go on climbing trips and stuff, is like, you start and like, it's a little bit easy in the beginning because you're fresh and stuff. And then you get tired up. 
the elevation oh my god i am still not like that's like that was a new thing to me too elevation altitude training and stuff um the elevation the air gets thinner you're starting to get tired and then like everything just gets harder and harder and i kind of like that too right. you know it's like a constant challenge but then um, when you do finish when you do get to the top it's like finishing a fight it's like an accomplishment and i do like that feeling so who who's your uh, who are you learning from in the real world at this point as a rock climber? Do you have a group of people? Do you have any sort of uh, I, I've taken some learn? classes. Okay. I've been taking some classes at um, the climbing gym here. Right. On. I did like yeah, like my first lead climbing class went terrible. So she was like, "Who want to try a lead climb fall first? And I was like, "Yeah, I'll go." <laughs> and I was like, "I went," you know. And she was like, "Clip in and climb You're a little like bit higher." Out of the way. It's me. I'll do it. <laughs> yes. I was like, I'll go, you know? And then she was like, climb just a little bit higher up and then let go. And I think I climbed way too high up. And then she's like, ah. And I was like, okay, I'm on the fall now. And I had never done a lead climb fall. I only done audible So I kicked off the wall. All I right. learned that you never, you no, should no. never kick off the wall Pendulum. and lean back. Yeah. <laughs> I physics. fell upside down. Okay. <laughs> and just like. I was like, oh my God, did I just break my back? <laughs> and did I just give myself a, a concussion? And I was like hanging upside down and I heard like, and I saw all the bouldering people just like, oh my God, is she okay? <laughs> I was so embarrassed. And oh your my instructor God. was like, did I just lose my job? Is this woman really Oh my really God, hurt? the instructor, she was like, are you fired? okay? Are you okay? <laughs> and then after, after that, we were going to go like pair up nobody wants to yeah, bear like up stay away they from were that like, crazy they were like, lady with the like, accent they were like I, I don't want to go with her I, I ended up going with like this couple and the girls was like i don't want her to belay me <laughs> i was like oh my god <laughs> see that's what i'm talking about celine you need to have you need to have like a like an inner world and then you have to have your outer yeah. some sort of outer facade that just that just is a little teeny bit less edgy you know like so you can attract those climbing partners. They come to you. Do you know what I mean? I know. Like you can I'm, work that I'm, out. That's the hard thing. Like how, like I'm not, I, I don't know no people at the right, climbing right, gym right. now. Like I haven't been there because it's been closed because of the COVID-19. Right, and right, I think right. they actually just opened up, but okay. it's like you have to wear a mask and you have to sanitize and wash your hands right. between each climb. And I'm like, oh, that's too much. I'd rather go outside. All um, right. Well, it's going to be a while, I think, before we're back, like, just doing whatever we want to do in the climbing gym. Mm-hmm. But I see, like, they do, like, cli- like, the thing with climbing, climbing is not a ex- cheap sport, right? Climbing is expensive. Right. Everything you need. And, like, I've been looking, like, at packages. Like, it would be cool to just go, like, on a seven-day trip with somebody who knew what they were doing and learn, you know? Because I am, like, learning by doing is, like, the best thing. Right. So, something like that I want to probably try to do this year hopefully cool well maybe but right now i can't i can't even go out of new mexico right now yeah exactly but, the, so. the the net is getting tighter and tighter mm-hmm. on you guys uh norway now you're stuck in the u.s now you're stuck in new mexico pretty soon you'll be stuck on your block oh my god but we'll see how that goes as a as a professional semi-professional what do you call yourself in terms of mma I'm like a professional. Okay, I'm professional. Fighter, yeah. So where where would people find out about you uh, in terms of that world? If anybody listening's like, God, this this chick is, I gotta check this out. I gotta see what she's up to. 
Mm, I Instagram. Okay. Yeah, Celine Haga. Okay. So C E L I N E H A G A, and then at. And what is the what is the immediate future with that with the fighting? So I do want to fight more this year. Mm-hmm. Like I feel impre- like even though the COVID nineteen and all that, I've been staying in shape. I've been training. You know, like meeting up with friends, training mm-hmm. in secret. You know, so my goal is like to fight hopefully in august or september okay uh get in some climbs and are is the is the sort of industry or the sport doing this online what are they what are they running in terms of uh getting past this social distance era uh so what they are doing now that a few promotion opened up you know Mm -hmm. and they just like have fights empty like no nobody can come and watch so it's usually streamed by ufc fight pass or you know, something like that. Have you had to do that yet? Uh-uh. Yeah, that's But I kind of want to. Oh, really? I think it's like, I don't mind fighting an empty crowd. Okay. Uh, you just lose yourself in it anyway, probably. You don't think, like, it doesn't matter if you fight in front of, like, 200 or 10,000, okay. you know? Like, when you fight, you're fighting. Like, it's just you and your opponent. And I feel the same way about climbing. Mm-hmm. Whether it's two hundred people watching me or a thousand or ten thousand, it's, it's you don't fine. care. No, it doesn't matter to me. Oh, I don't like that when people. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like even at the zero, climbing you don't want gym, anyone like, watching. If you, you climb and people watch and like comment and stuff, right. that make me nervous. Well, I'm like, okay, it makes me really nervous because I'm the normal cast, and if people find out that and then they watch me climb in a gym, they're just uh, like, "Why have we been you know, listening to this guy? He doesn't know. <laughs> he can't climb. Like he's a he's terrible like, why is he climber." Doing that? <laughs> Why is it? Why does it do that? <laughs> I was literally in Chicago. Oh God, it was like two Christmases ago, and I got some bug where I just like evacuated every fluid from my body for like two days or three days. You know, just this horrible, horrible bug. And then a couple days later, after I was like on the mend, but I still, you know, just was empty of every nutrient. We went to a climbing gym in Chicago, and of course. A bunch of people sort of recognized who I was and came up and said, hey, that's, you know, I really like the show. And I'm like, all these people are telling me how much they like the show and everything else. And then I would rope up and I was like, I mean, I feel I was the weakest I've been in like 20 years and just like eating shit off of like <laughs> what I would normally warm up on. And, and you know, I have no idea if this was happening, but in my head, there was just uh-huh. this chorus of people just like, like averting their eyes in shame, you know, just like turning away, like, oh my God, this guy is pathetic, you know? Do you have a lot of people coming up to you, like when you're outside? Like, it's like, oh my God, it's Chris. Yeah. When I open my mouth, like I can, I can walk up to a cliff and unpack and get going and like have very little recognition. And then if I yell something or talk to my partner, a lot of times I can literally see people like flip their head and just kind of like turn. And then a lot of people have come up to me and said like, I didn't know it was you until I heard you talk. So yeah, it's the voice. And, and, and maybe part of the success of this is that the voice is something that's like kind of comes through as being unique, Mm -hmm. if not annoying or whatever. So, um, but yeah, the voice thing is for years now. Yeah. It's still, it's, it's cool. You know, I think it's cool. I, I love talking to people at the cliff and mostly everybody's just like, Hey, thanks, man. I love the show. And that's like, you know, and then we move on from that. So it's not like it's embarrassing or anything. I, I do have one question about oh, yeah. climbing, though. Okay. Because like, one thing Let's that's super important in MMA is like, you know, we cut a lot of weight. You know, we like before fight, if I fight 115, I can weigh 130 in the fight, right? right. So 
we have like all these crazy diets and stuff. Are climbers strict with their diet? stuff is that like a part of the community i think that at the at the performance like the high performance level uh you know and again if you want to get into what we'd call professional or semi-professional climbers for sure you know i don't think it's actually i'll say this it used to be a lot worse in terms of of just the idea of losing weight and being light like that was a big part of climbing in the 80s and the 90s was this idea Mm. that even if you're sort of losing muscle mass as well like it's still better to be light and then Mm. um and i kind of cite a little bit i cite sort of the sharma era with this i crossing over into more of a sports performance nutrition Mm. idea of you know obviously you can't you know have all this extra weight but you want to make sure that you're getting the important parts to make your muscles work and having a strong and relatively large musculature is not you know is not going to impede your climbing but if you look at climbers from the 80s like performance climbers like patrick Langer and like christian griffith and some of these high-end climbers they were stick figures you know and they were mm-hmm. clearly like doing everything they could to lose weight and i think it there, there was a limit to what they could achieve like that without new you know using nutrients but to be honest, I don't know what goes on behind like closed doors in terms of because they don't do they compete in weight classes and stuff. No, there's no weight oh. classes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, the competition world is also a little. You know, there's kind of two diverging worlds. The competition world is is not like going to be the same uh, type of performance as your outdoor rock climbing world, even among the mm. people that do both. But yeah, I mean, I think that like. It's a little bit of taboo to talk about losing weight for climbing. And in fact, a couple of shows ago when I had um, uh, Chris Hampton on as a trainer, actually was training me in the winter. We talked about that and he kind of, again, like sort of, you know, was a little bit sheepish about like saying that, well, you know, losing weight for climbing, is it always bad? It's like, he's like, no, sometimes, you know, it's part of the package. If you want to climb harder, you've got to lose a little bit of weight if you're carrying around extra weight. But, you know, in terms of like eating disorders and encouraging, you know, young climbers to do this and that, it's it's a little bit of a thing that I think people stay away from in terms mm. of like pure dieting. Uh, mm. But certainly, I mean, you know, Honold's famous for being uh, mostly vegetarian. And I say mostly because I think he's he's not some sort of strict like polemic kind of guy. He's actually mostly vegan, I believe. But I, I you know, if you travel the world and climb in faraway places, in the middle of nowhere, it's really hard to maintain, you know, strict veganism when there's like no. One I got, thing like on I the got dish, the impression you know? like yeah. most climbers are a little bit like hippie-ish, you know, mm-hmm. like they go to Whole Foods and like buy organic food and drink green juices yeah. and and I like that's like I don't have any friends who buy foods at Whole Foods. Right. <laughs> like a, like fighters are like they usually just diet because they have to right. to make a weight class. Right. And then they gain the weight back. And then it's like the worst food possible. Yeah. Sure. Well, and, and the truth is, is that, yeah, it just depends on the crowd. Because if you don't have any money, you're not going to Whole Foods. And mm. and, and also it depends on what you want out of your climbing. You know, uh, there's a point at which I think a lot of climbers don't want to trade lifestyle for performance. And every athlete... Mm-hmm has to make that choice just like your your friends who need to lose weight to hit their waist class when there's not that impetus you know for a climber and he wants to drink a few beers 
you know, along with whatever they eat that night. Most, most of us like recreational lifestyle climbers, we kind of like try to be relatively healthy and not overeat, but we're not going to like, you know, live a monkish lifestyle if it means that I'm not going to get to drink my beer after a long day of climbing (laughs) or whatever kind of thing. So, but then again, like I said, at the performance level, at these professional climbers, and then there was people who are, you know, really pursuing hard climbing, of course they have to, uh, Mm-hmm. put sports nutrition into whatever regimen that they're doing. I think your average climber probably doesn't worry about it too much. Mm. So that's just, you know, my thoughts off the top of my head. I don't worry about it too much. Uh, but I'm also like, I've got a little bit of genetics on my side in terms of um, staying thin and light. Yeah. Like you do. I, I mean, I'm sure it's I, like, I, I, yeah, it's I'm not like you could bulk up with too. like another ten pounds out of nowhere, kind of thing. I'm, like I'm, I'm, I addicted to ice cream, so like that's like my thing. Yeah, but you run twelve miles a day, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's the addicted to ice cream when you're also dip, addicted to television or video games. That's going to cause problems. Uh huh. So, uh, well, awesome. We can can we find you on YouTube? Fighting? No. No? Maybe. So, actually, I had, like, one fight okay. that's, like, everywhere. So, I fought in Invicta FC, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, like, a big promotion. And I was fighting this girl. And at the end of the third round, I had a choke on her. And I put her to sleep. The choke was in. She was out, out. And the bell went off. And they had to wake her up. And they gave the win to her. What? So, that was, like, a big... Yeah, it was, like, the weirdest thing ever. So, it went, like... Uh, we appealed it, and like, I had a lawyer, and was like all this crazy thing. Like they even talked about it, like on Joe Rogan's podcast. Oh, like right it was on. all over. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm all I'm all that, like Joe Rogan now. I'm talking to MMA like, people. That's this probably is great. the first thing that yeah. can show up. And I'm still I'm okay. not still mad about it. Like if I think about it, I'm not just like I won't punch somebody again. <laughs> all right, so we can't see you fight, is what you're telling me by searching you uh, on the internet. Some of the like the fights are hard to find because right. I fought in Japan, sure, like sure. I fought yeah. in Spain, and like if you follow me on my Instagram, I usually post like links to everything. Okay, cool, sounds good. All right, so Celine Haga, just Celine Haga, H A G A, yes, on Instagram, and uh, well, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I don't know if you wanted to talk more about climbing than MMA, but. Um, that's what I wanted to talk about. So, um, I hope, I hope we found a good, Oh, someone's jamming their, 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 uh, motorcycle. So I hope we found a good balance of talking about both of them. And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I wish you well in both things, but, but to be honest with you, I feel like your ex-boyfriend a little bit and, uh, I want you to survive the next couple of years of, of mma that you're gonna do and uh so you can go on to a lifetime of rock climbing um and mountain climbing uh so i'm a little i'm already feeling like a little paternalistic like don't go into the ring again you you have so much potential in climbing we don't want to lose it so (laughs) i think all the like mma training too helped me with like i helped me with climbing like i feel like uh i can transition a lot of things that i've done for my fighting training into climbing training. It's 100%. 100%. Yeah. And and again, even the, not necessarily the dieting, but the nutrition and. Or the, just like the, the mental yeah, training. Totally. Like for me, mental training is like a big thing. Yeah. Like, you know, being scared and like how to deal with, like usually what I tell myself, because I'm scared before every fight. I'm like, 
I was like, okay, whatever I am feeling now, you know, you think you're nervous, like you define the feeling you have, right? right? right. Anxiety, nervousness. It's like, no, you're just alive. This is like, this is amazing. Like, this is just to keep you sharp, you know? And I try to think that every time I'm scared in Mountain Dew, I'm like, no, you're alive now. Like, this is what living is, you know? Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Celine. No, thank you. All right. Thanks to Celine for sitting down. And I'm going to quickly correct something that Celine said. She mentioned that it was hard to find or might be hard to find her fights on YouTube, but they aren't hard to find. If you YouTube Celine Haga, you have a bunch of stuff to watch, including her training, some interviews, and of course her fighting, including the Bama Awards, I think is what it was, Takedown of the Year 2015. Yes, the Takedown of the Year. So anyway, go ahead and check that out. And of course, follow Celine on Instagram. And if you live in Albuquerque and you see a determined woman lapping the hell out of those audible lace, maybe invite her to your next meditation retreat or drum circle or whatever. Guess what? Here's another big reveal that was recorded remotely. Dun, dun, dun. Yep, I broke the streak. 201 episodes. 202, not face-to-face. Did it sound like it? Could you tell? I think I, I, I think I talked a little bit differently. But sound-wise, it was kind of the same. I felt like I was like kind of pressured in my speaking. But that was the only, only, only difference. Felt like it, I felt like it went pretty good. Yeah, it's COVID-19 time, folks. And uh, traveling around and getting interviews just isn't in the bag. So we're going to do as much of that as we can, getting face-to-face ones. I got some folks nearby that I could certainly have on the show. Um, And, uh, you know, depending on the situation, we can sit apart and keep it clean. Uh, But I did this one with Celine, and she was game to do the first remote EnormaCast ever. But not the last one. It's just the way it goes, folks. You got to change. But you know what? It's super liberating. You know what? I guess I was being stupid the whole time because... The tech is here. It can be done with a great, clean recording. Um, I'm doing a few special things to get that done. But also, I can just interview anybody I want, anywhere in the world, if they agree. So, yeah, dumb old me. Thought it was cool that I was doing them just face-to-face the whole time. I guess it was. I mean, the vibe's a bit different, I'll admit. But, you know, after 200 and some practice, uh, we can work on getting the vibe the same, you know? This is not something that's new to me, so... Again, I hope you enjoyed it. Maybe some of you were suspicious the way it sounded or something, but uh, I think it came off pretty well. All right, folks. um, With that said, I will uh, bid you adieu. So be careful out there. Enjoy August, the hot time in the U.S. Hot time. Sweaty holds. Be careful. And of course, check your knots. Feel pretty good. <laughs> and I'm not uh, 
I'm not scared at all. I just feel kind of feel kind of invincible. <laughs> me too. I got a very positive attitude about this. Good, me too. Yeah. Is it getting hot in here or is it just me?